Meet Terry Fox by Elizabeth McLeod. The sun was just rising, but Terry Fox had already been running for an hour. Terry took two hops with his left leg, then a long stride with his artificial leg. Step, step, stride. Step, step, stride. Over and over. He clenched his jaw and grimaced in pain. Up ahead, Terry could see the van where his friend Doug Allward was waiting for him. Terry didn't think about the thousands of kilometers left to go. He just had to make it to the van so he could gulp it so he could gulp down some water. Then Doug would drive ahead a little and Terry would run again. He was going to run across the whole country to raise money to fight cancer. Terry was born on July 28, 1958 in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Even as a little boy, he was determined. He would carefully stack his wooden blocks. If they fell down, he just piled them up again. The whole Fox family, Terry, his parents, Betty and Raleigh, and his siblings, Fred, Daryl, and Judith, loved sports, and they all liked to win. Terry even played table hockey against himself, shooting and playing goalie for both teams. In 1966, the Fox family moved to Surrey, British Columbia. Two years later, they moved to Port Coquitlam, a city a little east of Vancouver. It was a great place to grow up. The kids picked blueberries in the summers to earn spending money, but Terry still made time for sports. Terry especially loved basketball, but he wasn't great at first. For one thing, he was shorter than most of the other players, but he tried hard and practiced with his friend Doug. Terry went from being the worst player on his school's team in grade 8 to one of the best by grade 10. In grade 12, Terry and Doug shared their school's Athlete of the Year award. In September 1976, Terry started university. He thought he might like to be a high school gym teacher. Of course, Terry tried out for the university basketball team. He made it, too. There were other players who had more talent, but none worked harder than Terry. A few months later, Terry felt a pain in his right knee. He thought it was from playing too much basketball and ignored it. But by early March 1977, the pain was unbearable. Doctors quickly discovered a type of cancer called osteogenic sarcoma in Terry's knee. They would have to amputate most of his leg, most of his leg right away. That would make sure they got all the cancer cells before they could spread to other parts of his body. Terry cried when he learned the news. The night before Terry's operation, his high school basketball coach dropped by. He brought Terry an article about a runner who'd also lost his leg above the knee and then gone on to run a marathon, a 42-kilometer long race. Terry wanted to prove that losing his leg wouldn't stop him, but running one marathon wasn't enough. Three weeks after Terry's leg was amputated, he tried walking on a prosthetic or artificial leg. The stump at the end of his right leg fit into a bucket at the top of the metal leg. Terry found using the new leg really tough, but he kept trying. Meanwhile, Terry was taking chemotherapy to destroy any cancer cells still in his body. The drugs he was given at the cancer clinic made him feel sick. They also made his hair fall out. There were many other patients at the clinic. Some of them were in pain or dying. Terry wanted to do something for them. 
he decided to raise money for cancer research. As soon as he was strong enough, Terry was back playing sports. He was great at wheelchair basketball. Then, in February 1979, Terry began trying to run. He had to learn to take two steps with his left leg to give his artificial leg time to swing forward. At first, he could only cover short distances. Terry trained longer and longer distances every day. Soon, his left foot and right stump were covered in blisters and sores. Sometimes they'd start bleeding. But he was still thinking about the marathon runner with one leg. When most runners finish a marathon, they need lots of time after to recover. Not Terry. He was determined to run a marathon every single day until he'd made it all the way across the country. The Canadian Cancer Society agreed to support Terry's run. Terry wrote letters to companies asking for their help too. The businesses offered him running shoes, money, food, and even a camper van. Terry asked his friend Doug to drive the van. Not only did Doug know a lot about running and dealing with injuries, but Terry knew he could depend on him. That would be important in the months ahead. On April 12, 1980, Terry dipped his artificial leg in the cold, grey waters of the harbour in St. John's, Newfoundland. Then he climbed the steep gravel hill to the road. The Marathon of Hope had started. As Terry ran across Newfoundland, people gave him donations as well as meals, and sometimes even a place to stay overnight. Each morning, Terry and Doug got up early and were on the road around 4.30 a.m. At the end of the day, Terry carefully marked where he had stopped with a rock. When he started running again the next morning, Terry would touch the marker. Terry ran through strong winds, blazing sun, and even a blizzard, but he kept going. Terry ran across Nova Scotia and Prince Edward Island. Many people still hadn't heard about the Marathon of Hope. Cars and trucks honked at him, and sometimes even tried to get him off the road. In New Brunswick, Terry's brother Daryl joined them. It was fun to have more company. In some towns, lots of people gave donations, but in others, people still didn't know about Terry's run at all. How is he ever going to reach his goal of raising one dollar for every Canadian? As Terry crossed from Quebec into Ontario, news of the Marathon of Hope was spreading. People lined the roads to cheer him on, sometimes waiting hours. They pressed money into Terry's hands and thrust bills at Daryl and Doug. They even gave donations to his police escort. On July 1, Terry stood on his artificial leg and used his left leg to complete the, Samar the ceremonial kickoff for a Canadian Football League exhibition game in Ottawa. The crowd gave him a standing ovation. The sun was blazing hot when Terry ran up to a huge rally at Toronto City Hall on July 11. During that one day, Terry raised about $100,000 and got to meet one of his heroes, hockey star Daryl Sittler. Terry's run exhausted him, but he still made time to meet people along his route. Kids especially inspired Terry. In Terrace Bay, Ontario, he met up with 10-year-old Greg Scott. Like Terry, Greg loved sports and lost a leg to bone cancer. He rode his bike behind Terry for almost 10 kilometers, and later, they had fun at a nearby lake. Inspired, 
Terry was more determined to, than ever to help. Terry continued to run through Ontario. By September 1, he was outside Thunder Bay. He got up early, as usual, and began his run. But soon, Terry started to cough. He felt so bad that he had to lie down in the van. The coughing stopped, but Terry still felt a strong pain in his neck and chest. So he did what he always did when he was hurting. He kept running. But Terry quickly realized something was very wrong. He had to stop. Soon, he was on his way to the hospital. Terry had been running for 143 days and had covered 5,373 kilometers, or nearly two-thirds of his route across Canada. Doctors gave Terry the diagnosis he had feared. The cancer in his knee had spread to his lungs. He was too sick to keep running. Terry's marathon of hope was over. Terry flew back to Vancouver and went directly into hospital to start chemotherapy again. He was determined to accept the cancer as just another phase in life. On September 18, 1980, Terry was made a Companion of the Order of Canada. That's the country's highest honor. He was the youngest person ever to earn it. Three months later, Terry won the Lou Marsh Trophy as Canada's top athlete of the year. That meant a lot to Terry, since sports were so important to him. People kept donating to the Marathon of Hope, even after Terry had to stop running. On February 1, 1981, Terry's dream of raising $1 for every Canadian came true. But the drugs Terry was taking to fight his cancer weren't working. He was getting weaker and weaker. On June 28, 1981, Terry died. The whole country mourned the loss of this brave hero. Schools, buildings, parks, even a mountain have been named after Terry. Movies have been made about him. A monument stands outside Thunder Bay, near where he had to stop running. The first Terry Fox run took place on September 13, 1981. Today, people in 30 countries run, walk, and wheel to raise money to fight cancer. Three million Canadian kids participate in Terry Fox school runs every year. They run in the blazing sun, pouring rain, and swirling snow, just as Terry did. Terry's brave and caring spirit lives on in these runs. Thanks to Terry, more than $780 million has been raised for cancer research. Because of better testing and treatments, today, more people with cancer recover than before Terry's run. They can live longer and feel healthier, but there is still lots to do. Terry believed cancer could be beaten. Many people are still working hard to make his dream come true. And, like Terry, they are determined to succeed.